All right, sorry about that, everybody. I apparently had a second instance of uh, our studio open, and the um, um, the uh, Scott, sorry, I'm still checking the stuff up here on the screen, and, and apparently my, my, the two dis different instances I had of the thing open, they were um, arguing over who uh, had control of my camera, and uh, there you go. Um, we are having issues. And we are still having issues. Um, we are not on Facebook. Hold on, everybody. This has just been a hot mess so far today. We are not streaming. Why? Why would it want to work? I mean, it would be the doing the same thing every morning. Yeah, yeah. So the reason I had multiple instances up is that um um i just did it again hold on sorry about that um the reason i had multiple instances up is because when i went up went to create the stream this morning um the um the um Facebook, sorry, I'm, I'm I'm trying to work on this as as I sit here and talk to you. So give me a minute while I'm stuttering through this a little bit. Uh, but but Facebook wouldn't allow me to start the stream. Uh, set up the stream. It said, even just trying to create it, that our, our stream uh, violated community standards. I'm like, it's the same exact title we use every single time we do a stream. How on earth are we violating anything? So I actually put up a post, which I think I'm about to replicate now. Uh, give me just a moment here to get that done. Um, actually put up a post saying, hey, we're only going to be on YouTube today. So I had that up for a few minutes and then um, um, came back and tried it again. And we uh, were able to, uh, I was able to get it started. Um, but now I'm um, not on Facebook. So it didn't set, set up a stream. Now, I did that inside of the Tinder. Facebook wants a 10-minute window before you um, um, post your uh, your events. So if you're going to pre-schedule an event, you have, you have to do it at least 10 minutes out. Uh, you can just, you can create one on the fly, but if you're going to schedule it, uh, you have to do it 10 minutes out. And it was 7.53, I think, before I finally got the uh, Facebook stream up and running. And so is um um, sorry, I'm typing up the post uh, on Facebook. So if you know of any of our normal Facebook viewers, um, normally be in here with us, um, and, and let them know about it. I'm going to put the post up right now. Right now. So maybe they'll find it over there if they can and, and jump over here with us. I'm not sure how many people we have that are one um, one um, platform only. But, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing that's it. I don't know why on earth it would say uh, that we were violating community standards. It, I literally just take the same heading, the same intro thing, um, and, you know, send it to um, to um, the uh, the different uh, – uh, or just copy and paste it every single every single day. Um, and so it's exactly the same thing other than I changed the episode number and the lesson number for our uh, second hour study. So I have, 
I have no idea, but uh, it, it cleared up. It, it let me post it. But unfortunately, it I posted it at um, uh, you know too soon for the uh, for the Facebook stream to get uh, to get going. So um, <laughs> probably because we spoke about Roe. Well, maybe, maybe. Uh, but um, anyway, so uh, we are not on Facebook this morning. So anyway, um, but welcome to uh, those who are here. Our crowd's probably going to be down a little bit since we're not on. Facebook, but uh, welcome everybody to uh, uh, from the deep end today. Uh, looking forward to having a, um, a good study with you today. Um, since we have fewer people, if you got a Bible question, go ahead and put it in. I'm not expecting to get as many. I got Jonathan and Travis in the room. If I got Jonathan and Travis, I can. Get, I may not get a good question, but I'll, I'll at least get a question. Now that that's that's certainly true. Uh, but that's what we do in the first hour of the program is we uh, answer to uh, answer your Bible questions, whatever you've got on your mind, glad to deal with it. Uh, and I'll do the best I can to give you a Bible answer. Um, second hour of the prog- program, of course, you know, by now we're going to be doing a, continuing our study of second or first Peter rather. We're in uh, the second chapter of first Peter and we are what in the eh, kind of in the middle section, I guess, of chapter two, going to be down to about verse nine and following. Um, and, that's where we will be in the second hour of the program. Um, today on um, uh, Digital Bible Study, we have, uh, I'm not sure if Daryl's going to be on. I, did, I, meant to, I meant to message him last night, and I forgot to do it until it was too late. Um, I thought about it. I was up late, but I thought about it well after that, and I figured I'd probably, probably not bother him. But uh, Daryl, of course, had uh, just gotten back from the hospital, I think, over the weekend. Um uh, said he was feeling a little under the weather still. And so Truth Tuesday was not on. I don't know if he's going to be on today or not, but uh, if he is, he'll come on uh, right after um, uh, we get, we go off the air here with uh, his program that he does at uh, uh, 10 o'clock Eastern. And then tonight um, we have with us Robbie Eversole Jr. Um, and he is going to be on with us. Uh, he is a chip off the old block apparently because I saw on his Facebook feed yesterday, he did a summer series at a, a local congregation to him Wednesday night. And he's coming on digital Bible study tonight. And uh, I guess, I guess that's what you do when your dad just had heart surgeries. You just keep right on preaching. So, um, so th- there we are. Yeah, Melissa just talked about that a, a minute ago. Facebook, Facebook is just not letting me uh, post the, uh, the stream this morning. Uh, hopefully just some kind of glitch, but um yeah, we're, we're not on Facebook. There is a, a post up now on our Facebook page. Um, if you uh, know anybody that might just be one of a Facebook-only user, um, you can share that with them. It's the top post in our, our, our news feed on Facebook right now. So if you know some of our regular viewers um, that are, we don't have very many regular viewers based upon the way y'all, y'all act. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, um, but uh, if you would do that, I'd appreciate it. Uh, spread that around if, as as need be, uh, so that we may might get uh, people in here. So uh, let's see what we have here. Um, um, well, I don't have any questions in there yet. Um, we just have um, uh, no, Deborah. I, I don't think this because I do it as one stream. Uh, the uh, uh, once 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 the stream starts, it's started. Uh, and if, no, if I broke it up and did two separate streams, then I could probably schedule the second hour, but, um, not, uh, not, not once since I do it as a two hour block instead of two individual one hour streams. 
um, once once we start it, I can't I can't restart it. Uh, so it, it's um, it, it's it's just it's just not going to be there today. Uh, so it'll, it'll have to be um, over here on YouTube only. So that that will be the the, the case this morning. So anyway, uh, let's see what we got here. Tra uh, Travis is helping me out there a little bit with a, a question um, in relation to Christians today, not the first century. What scriptures guide our prayers, and what can we expect in regards to the sick, dying, and life's finite span versus our prayers for health? Um, well, that's a good, good question there. Um, uh, oh, by the way, if you did put a question in uh, before I stepped out of the studio, uh, I don't have it anymore because when I stepped out of the studio, it cleared the chat. So if, if so, we're sixteen minutes into the hour. So if you put a, a comment in. You know, at, at, right at the top of the when I when I turned the stream on, or up until I came back in at probably eight ten or so. If you put up any comments there, they're no longer on my screen. I can't see them. So if you did, you got to put them in again for I, so I can see them. Um, well, Travis, I, I don't know that there's any. You know, there's some specific maybe requests, some specific prayers uh, that that might not. Um, be applicable. Obviously, when people talk about the the model prayer or the Lord's prayer, whichever you uh, you uh, prefer to have, um, the um, the part about the kingdom come and Thy will being done, that kind of stuff. Uh, obviously, that that's you know something that's already passed. Kingdom's already here, so on and so forth. So uh, there there's there are those kind of things, but um, I don't know that um, you know. And I don't know there's really any significant change from what you read in Scripture to now. Uh, at least passages that are um, general passages. Um, maybe some of those passages in John 14, 15, 16 um, that are said in that, that upper room discussion the, the, the night before we, we begin the process of the crucifixion. Um, you know, Jesus is talking to the apostles about his providing them the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's some things in there that, that I think you need to be careful of in terms of making application of them because of the, um, the um, you know, the apostolic um, a connection to them. Uh, so some of those things that might, might change, but I have a very simple philosophy about prayer. Um, and it, it's twofold. And I plan to do a, a larger study on this with y'all at some point once I get settled in to, um, to um, uh, the work up there at Rockledge um, when I have a little bit better understanding of what my schedule is going to look like. But Because I'd really like to do a, an extended study with prayer on it with y'all. Um, but the short version of it, as short as I can get it, is the, that prayer is the means by which we do one of two things. Well, <clears throat> prayers of petition, obviously prayers of praise, thanksgiving, that, that's another, another, you know, another class of prayers. But prayers where we are petitioning God for something. Uh, we are petitioning God, first of all, to fulfill his promises, right? Um, to act upon his declared will. I believe that's what John is talking about there in 1 John chapter 5 when he says, we know that we have the petitions that we ask of him because if we ask anything according to his will, he gives it to us. I believe there he's talking about his, his manifested, declared will, the revelation, his promises. You are asking God to fulfill the promises. Go back to the model prayer that Jesus gives. Give us this day our daily bread. 
Okay, that is not a prayer for a Christian. I mean, you can pray it. Absolutely, you can pray it. But that's not a prayer for a Christian. Uh, the reason I say that is this. Who was promised daily bread from God? The Israelites were. They had a 40-year history of it, right? Those promises are a part of their covenant. The giving of daily bread is a part of the Old Testament covenant, not the New Testament. There is not a single promise in the New Testament or written to the New Testament, written to the church. Excuse me. That's real pleasant, sneezing on camera. That's 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 got to be a good image to put out there for everybody. Um the promises that we read, like Matthew chapter 6, one I get in trouble with sometimes, um, you know, take no thought, what shall she eat, what she drink, what she's aware. Um, notice the connection in there. Jesus says, these are the things the Gentiles worry about. Okay, in comparison to the Gentiles, it was going to be the Jews, right? So this is, this is a passage written to Jews and written in language they would understand because it's their covenant. So petition God to fulfill his promise. That's the first thing you do. Now, what kind of promises do you have in the New Testament about the things you ask about? Um, sick, dying, extending lifespan, so on. What promises do you have in the New Testament about them? As far as I can tell, none. I don't, I don't think there's a single passage I know of in the New Testament that promises healing from prayer. Okay? unless you take James 5, but I don't know that that's, um, that, that we've talked about that in the past. I'm not sure that's physical healing that's going on there. Um, so maybe the exception in James 5, but as a, as a, as a standard, you know, there, even even to the old, even in the Old Testament. Um, what is that in Luke? Uh, whoo, making hurt my brain. I think it's Luke 4. Um, where Jesus asked um, how many were there in Israel. Is it Luke 4? Yeah, let me go ahead and get the screen share going here. It, uh, Luke 4, starting about verse number 20 is what I'm thinking of. Um, go ahead and bring that over here. Uh, Travis, one thing, I, one thing I don't like about Restream is it doesn't resize the image when you have um, um, comment on it. It just it just overlays it and covers us up. StreamYard would raise us up so we wouldn't get covered up by the comment. Restream doesn't do that very well. But start there with me in verse 20. Um, well, actually, let's, let's go ahead and start a little bit farther down. Let's go ahead and start in verse 24. And he said, uh, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his own town. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and great famine was over the over the all, all over all the land. Um, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And of course, she is the one that her food was extended and, 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 and so on because of Elijah's presence. But he, Jesus says, okay, here were all the widows in Israel during a period of great famine. And Elijah was sent to only that one. Okay. And here is really a, a, a powerful one. Verse 20. And there were many lepers in Israel during the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. Okay. 
I know I know his point that a prophet is not without honor, not acceptable except in his own town. And he uses two examples. Elijah and Elisha didn't go to Israel. Some of their great deeds were done outside of the, the, the people of Israel. But the implication of this right here is, is to me, is very, very telling. Even in Israel, um, during the time of, you know, a, a double spirit of the portion of, of Elijah on Elisha, you had a great healing uh, prophet. Could, could have done it. Obviously did with Naaman. And Jesus says not a single leper during the days of Elisha was healed, was cleansed in Israel. Take that for what it's worth. I'm sure they prayed about it. I'm sure they prayed about it hard. But he said, I didn't heal any of them. Okay. And again, while I can find promises for, for you know, material blessings and so on in Israel under the Old Testament, can you actually, I can find, if you're faithful, I will not add to you any of the diseases of Egypt. Um, is there a promise about healing and curing leprosy? Now, there are uh, uh, provisions within the law if you get leprosy and, and are cured from it, either it goes away or maybe there is some kind of healing. So it's possible, but that's a pretty strong statement right there. And maybe he's just talking about prophetic cleansing. Maybe he's just talking about the action of a prophet. That's possible. But we have the expectation that prayer is primarily there to, to get that to get that to happen. And I don't think that's its primary purpose. I think its primary purpose is to petition, at least prayers of petition. Its primary purpose is to petition, lots of alliteration today, God to fulfill his promises. And when you ask about a promise that God has extended, you get that promise every time. So if we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. You confess your sin in prayer every single time you do it. You don't have to wonder about it. We know that we have the petitions that we ask of him. Okay? So that's clear. Um, that God answers that prayer every time. So to answer your question, um, find, find any passage you can in the New Testament that mentions a promise of God to the saints. And that's, that's a passage that governs your prayer of petition. Now, that's the first thing you do in a prayer of petition. You ask God to fulfill his promise. Second thing you do is you ask God for, for mercy. Um, the best example of this Jesus gives is in Luke chapter 18. The unjust judge and the widow who continually comes and continually comes and continually comes. And so he says, while I do not fear God or man, you're wearying me. You're making me weary, woman. Stop coming. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grant your request just because you'd have, you have worn me out. Now, contextually, it is really about God coming to give justice quickly or speedily, ESV has, right after a passage which deals with, I think, 80-70 type stuff uh, about the coming of the kingdom and so on, kingdoms in the midst of you. Same, same kind of language you'll find in Luke 21 and Matthew 24. I believe it's talking about some things we've talked about a lot recently about the avenging of the saints and so on. I actually think that's what it's talking about. And if that's what it's talking about, once again, we have a promise. 
the promise is that the Son of Man is going to come in judgment, and he's going to judge the nation. So when you cry out for justice, he's going to come quickly because he's promised that he would. Okay? Uh, even so, Lord Jesus, come. And that's what he says in Revelation 22. So if this is contextually limited to the, the, the ending about the coming of the kingdom in verse 20 and following from chapter 17, if that's connected, then all you have here in chapter 18 is again a petition for God to act upon his promise. But I'm going to take it more broadly because he tells them a, a parable to the effect that they had always to pray and not to lose heart. So I'm going to say this is, this is certainly applicable more broadly. And, and the lesson that it teaches is that even an unjust judge can be motivated to regrant a request uh, if the petition is, is persistent enough. And so another thing that you do in prayer is that you, you um, um, uh, petition God to grant you mercy because he's sovereign. And while the promise of prayer is tied, in my opinion, to the promise of promises of God, the power within prayer to move God is, is legitimate. And so while there is no prayer, to, to get back to the, the, the verbiage of your question, Travis, while I don't find any promise that says um, that um, um, uh, that w we can expect regard sick, dying, and, and, and the extending of a life, um, I, God is still sovereign. Uh, and when God is sovereign, you might as well pray as hard as you can because who knows, he might listen. I will also add this, James chapter 4. You have not because you ask not. There's one of the problems. But then you ask and you have not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your own lust. I would, if you're going to, do, if you're going to make that prayer of petition, I would make it more about him than about us. Um, make it about something that is uh, toward the accomplishment of his will. Okay, the, the only thing I want to, to, to guard people against is, I, I remember this, I remember this so vividly. Um, I was talking to um, um, a 30-something-year-old lady in one of the churches I preached for, and she had a friend of the same age, and they were both having trouble conceiving, conceiving a child. And they were going exactly through the same, uh, you know, same fertility treatments. And, and these people, they weren't wealthy, but they were very, very comfortably upper middle class type people. So they had, they had the resources to do the whole thing, all, all the different treatments, all the different stuff. And and they, so they, they, one point being, it's not like one did more than the other. They both essentially exhausted all of the resources that were available in the time that they were doing it. You know, there's always advances on that stuff, but this was several years ago. So they, they had done it all. They had done it all, trying to have babies. Both of them praying to God about it. One of them got pregnant. And the one who got pregnant, guess what she did? She, she, she did what any normal Christian would do. She thanked God for it, and she talked openly about how God had blessed her. Okay, great. I am certainly not going to sit here and argue with that sentiment at all. When good things happen, give God thanks. That 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 is a good rule you should put in your life. We should all put in our lives every single day. Good things happen, give God thanks for it. You know what the woman who didn't get pregnant thought? 
That's what she thought. That that she did I do something wrong? Has God somehow become displeased with me? Is there some kind of a, some kind of a problem? That's what she thought. Now, the reason you think that is, the reason we think that, the reason we make that connection is that we think that prayer is about those things. It's not. Prayer is about asking, prayers of petition are about asking God to fulfill his promises. And there's not a single promise in scripture that says God will help you get pregnant. Not in the New Testament anyway. You might find some Old Testament examples, but not in the New Testament. There's not a single promise of God about pregnancy. Not there. I don't know. And this is something we need to learn to say is I don't know. I don't know if the woman who got pregnant, and by the way, about a year later, the second lady was able to get pregnant as well. So, you know, what, what then? But I have no idea. She was going and getting the best treatments for, for infertility that she could. And it worked. I, I, there are atheists who go get infertility treatments, and guess what happens for them? Sometimes they work, and sometimes they don't work. Might have to do with genetics. Might have to do with the actual physical problem the, 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 the woman is suffering from. Might have to do with, with a whole lot of things. The time in which it's done. Uh, you know, Time and chance happens to everybody. Sometimes treatments work, sometimes they don't. Give God thanks, yeah. But understand, even while you're giving him thanks, you don't actually know. Nobody does. Nobody actually knows what God did or did not do or how he did or did not do it. And, and, I, and I, don't, I think that's an element we don't talk about enough while we're thanking God for the, for, for, for the good outcome of something is that we actually don't know whether he did it or not. And when sometimes people are on the other side of that coin, if we, if we state so definitively that I know that God blessed me this way, he got me that job, he got me that house, he, he, he cured me of that disease, and we speak emphatically and clearly about it. When the person standing beside us doesn't get the same outcome, if I definitively know he answered my prayer, yes, then I also definitively know that he answered my, or definitively know that he answered my prayer, no. That, that to me seems to be, um, that to me seems to be a problem. So um, that's a little bit longer than I intended to do on that question, but I've got, I've got a lot more to say on the topic. I think it's, I think it's a really, really important topic to study, and I hope we got somewhere in the ballpark of what you were uh, looking for, Travis. Let me scroll back through there uh, and see uh, what we got there. Um, oh, I can cover this one pretty easily. Uh, what are the seven trumpets of Revelation? I have no idea. <clears throat> There you go. I told you I don't know is a good answer, but seriously, Johnson, I, I, if there's if they're supposed to stand for something specific, I, I don't I don't know what it is. Um, you could probably ask my dad about it. It might be the, the same answer. Um, I, 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 it's not even one I've really considered. Uh, I, they're trumpets. They they make noise, and the the, the the it allows the it allows the voices of the angels to proclaim what they need to proclaim about the, about their part or their part of the, uh, their role rather in the book of revelation. If there's anything significant to them, I don't know. And that's not saying there's not, 
there might be something significant to them. I just don't know it. Okay. Uh, so there. Aha. I got an I don't know out of me. Or y'all got an I don't know out of me. Uh, Nelson says, we had a Bible study last night on the parable of the sower. Um, what are your thoughts regarding the thorny soil? Uh, just that one, I'm good with my understanding of the others. Um, again, <clears throat> let's, go to, let's go to Matthew's account. That's good enough. Um, uh, oh, boy. Okay. I, see, I thought I typed in Matthew. I must have typed in Mark because I pulled it up and it started, the heading was the age. I'm like, that can't be right. Let's pull up the parable of the sower here for a second. Um, soils or sower, whichever one you prefer. I guess they both work. Um, it is uh, one time, which is fairly rare, that Jesus actually gives an explanation of it. Um, and that, you know, the, the, he gives the parable and he, they, the disciples come and ask, why are you speaking in parables? And, and I'm sure you all know the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the account well enough. Um, and what we have here is, uh, as, as for that which is sown among the thorns, uh, this is the one who hears the word, but the, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Um, I, what's my understanding of it? And again, it's going to sound flippant, and I don't mean it to be, but that, that's my understanding of it, Nelson. Uh, the thorny soil is somebody who has the cares of this world and uh, is apparently connected. You know, those the cares of this world don't seem to be the only thing that's mentioned are the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. So this doesn't seem like it's somebody, it doesn't seem like sensuality or something of that nature. It seems to be this person uh, is trying to serve both God and mammon. As Jesus said, you, you know, you can't serve both. You'll love the one and hate the other, um, cling to the one and despise the other. Okay. Uh, and I think that's, that's, that's about what you've got here. Um, you know, the rocky one endures tribulation and there's no depth. And so he flees in times of tribulation. This person has never fully gotten out of the world. You know, uh, first Bible character that comes to mind mind might be Demas. Uh, you know, he has he has forsaken me because again he loves the world. Um, that that would seem to be it. You know, friendship with the world is enmity with God. James chapter four again. You ask not. You ask when you you ask and receive not. Uh, okay, um, so that would be my person. Is this person a Christian? I, I would say yes. Uh, I think all four of these individuals, um, well, the, the, the latter three, um, the um, um, that which is uh, on the um, 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 the evil one comes um, and, and snatches what away was been sown in his heart. That, that, that this is what is sown along the path. So the evil one snatches it away on the path before it has the ability to take root. Um, this is sown, verse 20, on the rocky ground. This is one who hears the word and immediately receives it. So they received the word, okay? Um, receive it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while and then falls away. So uh, he falls away here. So I, I think this person's a Christian. And by the way, not, not your question, Nelson, but I think this is a really important um, important thing to understand. Um, I have a hard time when I'm fully engaged in you know full time ministry and I have all my the time to do this do these things. Um, I, I have a hard time baptizing more than a handful of people in a year. I really do. It, it is it is not 
unheard of, but it is awfully rare for me to have a study with somebody that leads to a baptism in the first time I sit down with them. Um, I do my dead level best not to do that. I don't want to baptize you the first time I study with you. Uh, because a lot of times you'll do that. I'm, a lot of times you'll do that. Is you, you'll, you'll baptize somebody. Oh, yeah, man, let's do this. Boom. And then you know, two weeks later, they're called. You can't find them. Because they never counted the cost. They never actually understood what they were doing. Um, so I, I think it's not a lot. Just, just Jonathan 101 here. Okay. Another I think from Jonathan. Uh, slow down. When you're studying the Bible with people, slow down. Better to have them count the cost up front and decide not to than to have them um, become a Christian and then fall away. And here's why it's worse. Peter says that the latter end of this person who, who has escaped the pollutions of the world and then turns back, the latter end is worse than the former. Once somebody has tried to be a Christian and falls away, they're less likely to try it again. I would rather make the study involved enough to force them to slow down and think about what they're doing and have them reject the gospel without ever trying it than to have them try it, decide they don't like it, and go back to their former life. Uh, I believe we injure people by studying with them too quickly and allowing this to happen, where they receive the word too quickly. So slow down. You know, it's not a race, not a race, but that's not your question. Um, but the um, here, here and the other one is, again, the seed is sown, and it, it does grow. It takes root. It's just that as the as the thorns grow up around the uh, around the the plant, the thorns choke out the plant to the point that the plant cannot produce fruit. But it's still a plant. There's still something growing in the soil. So I would say absolutely that person's a Christian, uh, and then and then they become or prove to be unfruitful. So uh, that'd be my answer on it. Um, and yeah, so I'd go from there. Uh, just just a real quick thing, Nelson. If you're if you're like if you're reading a denominational commentary or something of that nature. Um, and they try to make the case that the rocky soil and the thorny soil are, are not, uh, they're not Christians. Um, that um, um, likely they believe once saved, always saved. And they're trying, they're trying to explain away this text because this text is very, problematic for a once saved, always saved um, 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 a position because that's very very much looks like people who have, have taken root and in, in, in the seed has taken root in them is in, and it is um, uh, causing them to fall away. Um, I would also add this just as an aside, just because I, you know, because that's I, what apparently I do. Um, these are kingdom parables. This is Matthew 13 is known for the, the kingdom parables. Look at the next one, the, 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 the kingdom of heaven, okay? Uh, the parable of the weeds and the tares. Uh, weeds and the tares, how about that? That's the same thing. <laughs> Sorry, King, King James is the tares, but you got the wheat and the tares, the wheat and the weeds. Um, it's a kingdom parable. Kingdom of heaven is like unto this, and let them grow together until the harvest, both the wheat and the weeds, and then bring them into the uh, uh, bundles to be burned. But look down here at the end of this chapter. Um, he explains for the second time, again, fairly rare, explains a parable. <coughs> um, 
the Son of Man will send his angels, uh, and and you know they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and lawbreakers. When's he going to do that? Verse forty: Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. I don't think this is talking about the end of the world. It says it right there. It's talking about the end of the age, and I only know the end of one age. That's Matthew twenty-four. I think these are kingdom parables in the sense that Jesus is promising them and talking to them about the coming of the kingdom, which was, as Jesus utters this parable, not there. Um, so I would go back up here, and I would ask you, in this time of the setting up of the kingdom, what tribulation or persecution you think might come up between now and the end of the age. Maybe that one mentioned in Matthew 24, the greatest one the world would ever see. Maybe. And maybe, as, say, the Hebrews writer talks about, um, you took the spoiling of your goods joyfully. Maybe some didn't. So you ask me, these are Christians. Well, at some point they are. But... The seed is the word of God, and the word of God is proclaiming the coming of the kingdom. I think this might also be talking about Jews getting getting ready to hear the coming of the kingdom, getting ready to receive the kingdom. So um, that that I'd throw that wrinkle out there as well, but that wouldn't change anything because these individuals are still, is still in my understanding, um, going to be saved individuals. But don't just read through here because that's what we do with these parables is we read through them and we immediately think, okay, Jesus said them about the kingdom. It's got to be us. Okay, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's not. I mean, this this whether this is about the age or about all of all of Christianity, it's the same thing, isn't it? Has anything changed in the process? You still go. This, you still go out and and you you preach the word and and, and so on. Um, but um, you know, um, I do find it interesting that um, the um, um, every time I've seen an artist try to um, um, show this, the parable of the sower. Guess who they paint the sower as? A sower went forth to sow. Guess guess how? Guess what the sower, or guess who the sower always looks like? The sower always looks like Jesus. Every time I've seen this thing painted, or you know, drawn, the sower looks like Jesus. Hmm. He he didn't do that after his earthly ministry. The apostles did. I'm just saying. Um, I think it's probably, um, probably, um, it's got a first century connection. Let me just say that. All right. Uh, moving on. I got what, 14 minutes left before the top of the hour? Um, well, the crowd's starting to fill in here a little bit. Um, good to see that. Uh, sorry about the Facebook mess up for any of those who have joined us late. Had um, Facebook, uh, um, had a little complaint with me this morning about setting up the stream. Um, so uh, we are not on Facebook this morning for whatever reason. Uh, hopefully that will not be a problem um, going um, 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 going forward. So Melissa says, my husband is home and has a question. All right, Melissa's husband, whose name I have forgotten. I just saw a picture of y'all two on Facebook together remember his name I should know his name Eric would know his name Eric Eric Eric's better at this than I am 
Um, why are progressives referencing Marcus? Thank you, Melissa. I knew you'd come in there and help me out there. Why are progressives re referencing God as dad or daddy in the church? I do not know. Well, you'd have to ask each one individually. How about that? Let, let me let me say that before I go too far and say what's really what I'm really thinking. Um, <laughs> there, there is just a always seems to be a real strong connection, doesn't there? When you're dealing with um, um, progressivism, really in any field, because uh, you know the progressive mind is is the same whether it's in ac academia or or uh, politics or in in religion, it, it's all the same, um, and you know it manifests itself differently. But um, like even with the Roe v. Wade stuff. Um, I, as I think I've told you before, I don't follow a lot of people on Twitter because it's a big cesspool. But one group of people that I do follow is I, I have some of the um, uh, more progressive um, evangelical type, um, not all evangelical, but just say denominational and Catholic um, uh, preachers, pastors, whatever they, whatever they want to call themselves. And I follow a good a good number of them because I, I just, I like to know what, you know, what's being said out there. Um, and I can't help but notice there's a very strong correlation between um, people's response to the Roe v. Wade thing um, and um, their leanings, both politically and religiously. Um, there was a... Um, uh, a post from, uh, what was the publication? Is it the Gospel Coalition? I think that's the one. It's either that or the Christianity Today. I always, I always get those mixed up. One of them just, just a flat-out progressive publication. Uh, chastising Christians for celebrating the Roe v. Wade stuff too much. And their response, their, their, their message was that we shouldn't be celebrating. We should be reaching out to the world with compassion. I'm like, no, no, nah. I'm not... I'm not, I'm not done celebrating yet. I'm 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 not. I think I'm gonna just keep on doing that until he gets tired. Until I get tired of doing it, and I'm not done yet. Okay, which is not to say I don't want to be compassionate to people, but you know, no, it's it's time to rejoice. It's time to rejoice. Okay, um, and so I'm I'm going to, but it's that it's that mentality. I I I, I it's 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 feeling based. It's it's appearance based. Um, and they're more comfortable in that realm. And, and I think that same mentality is still active within their, in their minds, um, is they want to feel a close relationship to God and calling him father or, or whatever, you know, term that you want to use. Um, they, I, it's for them, it's <clears throat> for them, it's too cold and too institutionalized. Um, and so dad or daddy. Okay. And that makes them feel like they have a closer relationship to God. They don't. I mean, what a term you use is not no, but they just they just like to do it. Now the textual basis is the 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 um, uh, the word Abba uh, in Romans eight and Galatians four, Abba Father. And their argument is that in the Aramaic, Abba means more like pop or pop or dad or daddy, something of that nature. And so, okay, now. Is there anything sinful about it? I, I don't suppose there is. 
Uh, it's it's probably a little informal for my taste, um, but what verse would I use to say thou shalt not call him daddy? I I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I'd make the argument. Um, you know, your your statement there in the church. I assume you mean in the assembly because there. I mean, all of the progressives are in the quote unquote church. I'm assuming you mean when the church comes together, and I. I if somebody wants to use the more informal terms in their own prayers, okay, again, I don't know how I would say anything about it. I personally don't. But if they did, I don't I don't know how you would do anything about it. I, uh, and again, I don't know that I can prove this one either, but certainly when we come together, um that that public assembly, um I just um it just doesn't seem like that's 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 the tone or the tenor of what should be going on in the public assembly. So um, that's the best I got, I've got for you, um, uh, Marcus. I, I, it's, it's just a different mentality about how they, uh, how they approach things. Um, going back to the topic of prayer, uh, Deborah says, I pray for these things because God, Jesus did these things. I know he's capable. Exactly. And then, and in my comments, comments on prayer have nothing to do about his care for you. Certainly no doubt about his capability. Um, and, um, you know, absolutely. You have something like that going on. That's why we do it every night here on a, a digital Bible study. We pray about physical healing every single night, and we're glad to do it because God is God. God is God. And if we pray, there's always a chance he'll say yes. Just make sure you understand. It's appointed that a man wants to die. And sooner or later, sooner or later it comes. And, and there's no turning back for it, okay? And, and on the other side of that ledger, even without prayer, medicine still works. You've you got cancer and you go through chemo. It, it, what, what's the percentage chance, you know, what, what is the recovery rate? You know, if, if I were going to analyze this, let's go through all the members of the Church of Christ that have had chemo and prayed about it. Versus all of the atheists in the world that have that have, that have had chemo and not prayed about it. What is the survival rate? I bet it's pretty close. This cancer sucks, and yeah, I bet the I bet the survival rate's pretty close. Because as a normative cause, as a normative case, that 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 doesn't seem to be what Scripture's about to me. And that's why I go to Luke 4. There were many lepers in Israel. None of them were cleansed. So don't get your expectations wrong. That's my only point. Not that God can't, not that God won't. And when he does, or, or when you when you get the request that you ask, give him thanks. But just make sure you keep it within the line of, uh, of uh, expectations. Okay? As a follow-up to your question, MP, Melissa. Ah, yes. Okay, Melissa. Yeah. Um, episode 1096, the first hour covers progressivism as well as mentioning two articles on the topic by Bruce Morton on digital Bible study. Yeah. Uh, now those are in the, uh, what I do with articles on the website is I leave them out public for a few months and then just to give something back to our, our subscribers. Eventually, as articles age, I put them behind the, into the subscriber area of the, um, of the website. So those were posted several months ago. So they are in the subscriber portion of the website, but there are 
uh, two articles that Bruce wrote for me on a, a different um, um, uh, thing. Um, uh, and actually, I think they're still available on Amazon. I hadn't looked in forever. I had an Amazon series of tracks that I put out, I put about 25 or 30 of them uh, called Moments That Matter. Um, and Bruce wrote me two articles for those. There, there should be available on Amazon, I think. I don't think I took them down yet. I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've messed with them. Um, but if you wanted, if you wanted them on a Kindle, you could you could get them that way if they're still there. Um, but yeah, two excellent articles, uh, uh, and they're uh, Bruce is a well, he's a, he's a professor at uh, uh, at uh, where is he uh, Faulkner still? I think he's still at Faulkner. Um, and uh, so they're academic articles, and that's good because he actually gets to the the actual uh, academic approach to progressive Christianity. So if you want to know where some of these things are, were, were, well, I mean, the article's now seven or eight years old, and he's writing about stuff that's even a couple of years older than that. So the, the the specific things he's writing about are probably ten to ten to twelve to fifteen years old, but it will explain a lot to you about where we are. Um, it's it's if you had if you'd been following the academics 15 years ago, you'd understand what they're, why they're saying what they're saying now uh, to, to, to a much better degree. So I, I, would, I would encourage you to go find them and read them. Uh, thanks for that, Travis. Uh, hey, ask, how do you explain John 14, 13 and 14? Is 1 John 5, 14 and 15? Um, uh, is, is, it, is it a clear? John 14, is that... Um, I know that reference there. just want to make sure before I start talking about it. Yep. Um, <clears throat> truly, I say to you, whoever believes in, in, in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works will he do because I'm going to the Father. Uh, whatever you ask in my name, I will do this, that the Father may be glorified. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Okay. Um, I guess I need to put that on the screen because I'm about to make a, an article, a, a point here. Um, um, notice the change. Um, I think you have in verse 12 a, a statement of truth. Obviously, Jesus said it's a statement of truth. But then I believe verses 13 and 14 are specific. Look, look who it's, he says, whatever you ask in my name. So whoever believes will do the works that I do, and then greater works he'll do. Whatever you ask, I think this is more generalized. Now, he says it to them, but he says, first of all, whoever believes is going to do great things in, in, in the kingdom, okay? Whatever you ask, not they. See, the, the compliment to whoever would be they. He says, whatever you ask. I believe he's talking to the apostles. I believe he is asking to the apostles. I believe this is similar to uh, what whatever you bind on earth shall be bound on heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Uh, even, is, is it in that same context? I'm about to conflate two verses, I know I am. Is that Matthew 16, 18? Give me a second here. Um, um, where's that passage you're looking for? There it is. Um, verse uh, Matthew 18, not, not 16, Matthew 18. Uh, you know, Jesus says to Peter in Matthew 16, I'm going to give you give unto you the keys of the kingdom, and then whatever you bind shall be bound, whatever you loose shall be loosed. Uh, he says the same thing to all of the apostles, and that's critical to get. Uh, that's critical to get uh, 
for, for dealing with your Catholic friends because the same promise extended to Peter was, ex was extended two chapters later to the entirety of the apostles. But then look at the next verse. This is one I think we misuse a lot. Uh, again, I say to you, if two of you, talking to the apostles, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, for where, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. I think he's talking about the apostolic ministry. And why does it take two or three? Well, honestly, it doesn't take two or three because one, one apostle saying it is, is obviously authoritative. However, if you have two or three apostles gathered in, here on the earth agreeing on something, then you certainly know that you have the divine testimony behind it because they're not going to agree on something that didn't come through any, any source other than revelation. Um, and so therefore, you know it's declared doctrine and it's something then that the Father is going to do. So I think that's tied to his apostolic ministry. Uh, that's what I do with John 14. It's in that upper room discourse, and whatever you ask, I'll do it because of, of the charge that's upon them. Now, I believe 1 John 5, however, is not. Um, the 1 John 5 says, this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and we know that if he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request we ask of him. Okay. Um, the only significant difference I have from most people on this passage is this phrase right here, according to his will. If we ask anything according to his will, the common interpretation of this passage is that we pray about something. And we pray that it be done in the in God's will, if it be your will, so on. And that we do not know what God's will is on that topic. So let's say I get cancer. Oh, by the way, I saw Cree put a question in earlier uh, about my mom. Cree, I have not heard anything yet. It was I, I'm not even sure. I'm not sure what time they were supposed to start the surgery on my mom, but I think it's too early. Uh, I think surgery is going to take several hours, and I. You know, she went in this first thing this morning, so it's probably an early morning surgery, but I, I, I'm, she's certainly not out of it by now. So as soon as I hear something, I'll let you know. Uh, and it's a it's a spinal thing. I think, I think it's in her spine. It, it's a back surgery. So this may be the kind of thing we won't know fully the impact of it for some time yet. So, But we should at least know that she gets through the surgery or not here. Uh, well, in, in a few hours, but no, I haven't heard anything yet this morning. Um, but... We have this idea that we don't know the will of God, all right? And, and people tie this over to Romans 8, uh, 26. We, we, we know not to, uh, uh, we know, likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmities because we do not know what to ask for as we ought. That's close enough. That's, that, that's the Jonathan version, but that's close enough. And so we take that. We don't know what to ask for as we ought. Here, we ask anything according to his will, but we don't, we don't know what to ask for, so we don't know what his will is. And so that puts us in the position of having to pray and then sit back and wait. And then people come up with this, this, this kind of what I think to be rather trite answer. Sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, and then some God, sometimes God says later or not now. Okay, please find me that anywhere in Scripture. Please find me that anywhere in Scripture. I, I can't. I can't. 
Uh, and it puts us in, in the position then of having to read the tea leaves. And so how do you know when God says yes? Well, you get the thing you were asking for. And that leads me to my next discussion, which is, well, how do you, wait a minute, you don't know that. So, so I get diagnosed with cancer and, 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 and we all begin to pray that, you know, that the cancer goes away, the cancer goes away, cancer goes away, cancer goes away. And it, and it does. Great. Cancer's going away. Guess, again, like I said earlier, what am I going to do? First thing I'm going to do is thank God for, for the cancer going away. But what do, what do I not know? Because I was, in the, I was in the hospital in one room and there was a dude in the hospital in the room right beside me. We were both getting, we're both getting cancer treatments. And we both got better, and he's not a Christian. It could just be that the medicine worked. These people are pretty smart. They've done a lot of research, a lot of studies going into these things, and, 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 and despite some stuff that's going on lately, these people are good at what they do. Sometimes it just works. Sometimes it just works. And that sometimes it just works can be for a Christian who's praying as well. So thank God for it. But stop and understand, you don't know what God does and does not do. Nobody does until he tells you. This verse says we know that we have the petitions that we ask of him. We know it. We know if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, he gives it to us. <coughs> There's no yes, no, maybe, yes, no, later in 1 John 5. It is we know this, and if we ask according to his will, he does it. There's one prayer I know that I get every single time, and this is my confidence. That, that, that's this word. This is the confidence that we have toward him, that there are prayers that you can, all, that you can offer that are answered affirmatively, yes, every single time they're offered. And the first one that comes to my mind is the prayer for forgiveness. That prayer is always a yes. If I confess my friends, my, my friends about that, if I can, if I can get, <laughs> confess my sins, he forgives us. I know that. That's my confidence toward him. I don't have to do anything else. I, I don't have to go out as Micah says and offer the the uh, the the uh, 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 offer my firstborn for for the uh, uh, for my sins. I don't have to do that. I don't have to offer 10,000 rivers of oil. I don't have to do that. I have to pray and confess my sins. He's faithful and just and he'll forgive me. Every single time. That's my confidence. Now, there are other things you could add in that as well. So that's my take on 1 John 5. My only difference is most people read this verse and say, I don't know what God's will is in this matter. Okay? I read this verse and say, I do know God's will. He's told it to me. It's revealed. I've got it. So if I can find the word, if I can find the promise, if I can find the revelation, then 1 John 5 applies. Um, another, see, this is, I really want to do an extended study with prayer on y'all, but um, there's another element here that I think is important. Oh, it's 9.06. Wow, I was just talking away. Okay, um, wow, somebody should have told me it was past the top of the hour. Ah, see, okay, hold on. Let me finish this thought and then we'll start We'll start that. I was just on a roll, man. Um the last thing I'd say is, and maybe another difference I have with people is I believe we need to get comfortable with the idea that not everything that we do is part of God's will. And that there are a lot of things that happen in our life about which God has no will. He has no preference. And the, a lot of people buy into the adage that, you know, everything happens for a reason. Everything has a purpose. No, 
Time and chance, Solomon says, happens to every man. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Everything happens. And God's will has nothing to do with it. And so you can't ask anything according to his will if God doesn't have a preference on the matter. And that would be probably another big arena that I'd like to, to investigate with you all at some point. Um, that'd be another big portion of the discussion that, um, that I think would be critically important. Um, I think a large portion of my life exists outside of the will of God. And that's probably a point where I'm different than maybe most of y'all in this room. Um, uh, we're about to move. Uh, just starting the job up at Rockledge. Um, I've got to find a way of doing something with the, the 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 condo we're in here. I've got to find a new house up there. It's complicated, you know. We've got if we I don't want to sell this place, we're going to try and rent it out. That kind of stuff. So lot, lots of moving parts and all that kind of stuff. Okay. At some point, I'm going to get to the point where I am looking for a house somewhere in the northern portions of Brevard County to get closer to the church building. As far as I know, as far as I could tell, God has absolutely no preference about which house I'm going to buy. Now, I just to reveal something about my own personal prayer life. There may be prayers offered during that time, but I'm not going to be praying for God to help me find a house. Not, not, not specific like that, because I don't think he cares. I, I don't think he has any preference by, by not caring. I mean, I don't think he has any preference whatsoever. Um, it's up to me to have handled my stuff properly from now, you know, in my past, to have the, have the funds in the bank, to, to have a good credit score, to, to, to do all of that. And prayer doesn't fix that. The prayer doesn't fix all that. Prayer doesn't put money in your bank. Um, and what house I buy, I believe that's and I believe that's entirely up to me. He he has told me. I've read the book of Proverbs once or twice. Um, I I've read the book of Proverbs, and it tells you a lot about how to ha handle money. And if you would just follow the book of Proverbs, and and use its advice on money, you you'd be financially solvent in most circumstances. I know sometimes things get out of hand, but he's already told you how to handle money. So why, why, why are you? What, what, okay, you pray about it, and he's going to look back at you and say, wait a minute, I already told you how to do that. It's kind of like Joshua's prayer. Um, okay, I guess I'm, I'm going to keep going for a minute here. It's kind of like Joshua's prayer. It was all Jonathan's fault. Jonathan told me to keep going. Um, it's kind of like Joshua's prayer in what uh, uh, chapter, what chapter would that be? Seven? After the defeat at AI or I, however you like to say it. Um Joshua, you know, they, they lose the battle. After, after the, the victory at Jericho, they go out the second time. They lose the battle at AI. Um, Joshua comes back from the defeat and falls on the ground and begins to pray to God. You remember what God's response was? Um, I'll go ahead and pull that up. Um, um, da, 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 da. Here it is. Okay, Joshua 7. Turn off Hayes' comment there for a second. Um, Joshua tore his clothes, fell on the earth before the ark of the Lord until the evening, and, the, and he and the elders 
They put dust on their heads, and Joshua said, Alas, O God, why have you brought us over Jordan at all to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before the enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it. They will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? I do like that last phrase he puts in there because Joshua made this prayer about God. But here's God's response to that. The Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded, and they've taken some things. Okay? Remember what God said. If you go in and you obey me, I'll send the hornets in. Uh, and what, what, what's the ratio? You know, one will put a 1,000 to flight, and two will put 10,000 to flight or something like that. God says to Joshua, what are you doing? The only way, because I promised you, here again, we're going back to God's promise, right? He said, I promised you, if you're faithful to me, you'll win. And I told you that Jericho kind of has kind of like a first fruits type thing. It's, it's some translations have accursed, some translations have devoted. And it, it's two sides of one coin. Jericho as a city was devoted to God, and that meant it was accursed from everybody else. Nobody touches Jericho. None of the spoils and all that. God says, that belongs to me. And if you're faithful, you will not lose. They go into the next battle and they lose. And Joshua's response is to fall on his face and put dust on his head. And the very first thing God says is, stop it. Stop praying to me. Get up. Go get the sin out of the camp. Israel sinned. My take on that is God is looking at Joshua and saying, why, what, what, why aren't you fixing the problem? I already told you everything you need to know. Somebody sinned. Why, why, aren't you doing, why aren't you dealing with the problem? I'll be with you until somebody sins. See, I think that's what's going on there. And, and maybe, maybe I'm a little cold, a little harsh on some of this stuff like that with prayer, but a lot of times we start praying about stuff that God will look at us and say, I already told you the answer. Sometimes we've got problems in our marriage, in a relationship, and we sit around and we pray about it. Pray about it. you got problems in your marriage, go ahead and pray. Go ahead and pray. Pray a lot. But guess what? God's already told you how to fix a problem in your marriage. And prayer, prayer by itself is not going to fix the problem in marriage. God's already told you how to do it. It's in the book. Read the book. If God were to say something to you directly about how to fix your marriage, you know what he would say? Husbands, love your wives, even if Christ also loved the church. Wives, see that you reverence your husbands. That's what he'd say. And he already said it. So sometimes I think we start praying about stuff we already have the answer to. Or, as I was saying a minute ago, sometimes we pray about stuff there is no answer to. Okay? You're at the car dealership and you got buying a new car and you're looking at two different cars. And somebody says, well, I need to go home and pray about it. Why? What are you going to learn in prayer? Uh, unless, it's, unless it's like a self thing. You know, I, I, here's, the, here's the more reasonable one and, and here's, the, here's the one that, you know, it's a little sexier, the one, the one I really want. And, and I need to go home and pray about it to get my mind right. Okay, now that's, that's prayer, and that, that's helping through prayer. But understand, 
reality, God's not doing anything there. In reality, what's happening is you are holding yourself accountable before God and is effectively confessing your weakness. And in that sense, holding yourself accountable. And it is your respect for God and then the confession of that before him that centers the conscience again. Okay, that, that's that's not a self-help therapy, but it's it, it's it's a it, it is it, it's it, it it's it's kind of like um that's the best analogy I can come up with. It's more like um you know you're 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 in one of these twelve-step programs and your sponsor is there, and and you and you know you shouldn't engage in that addictive activity, you know, alcohol, drugs, whatever. You know you shouldn't do it. You already know you shouldn't do it, but you call your sponsor. Not so much so this person can fix you, but just you, it's, a, it's a, 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 a sense of accountability. Oftentimes, now, in that sense, those kind of prayers, hey, there's these two houses I'm looking at, and one's $100,000 more than the other one, and I really can't afford that one, but I really want it. So you already know what you ought to do, right? Now, if your prayer is you go back in those two houses and one's $100,000 more than the other one, if your prayer is, God, please help me find a way to get the more expensive house, what are you doing? What are you doing? God's not going to zap you down a hundred thousand bucks for you get the bigger house. You ask, you ask because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. That doesn't mean you can't have the nicer, bigger house. But that what that does mean is don't ask God for the more expensive house. You want the more expensive house? I got a great idea. Make more money. Go out and make more money. That's how you get the bigger house. My brother has a much bigger house than I do, much more expensive house than I do, because he picked a career. By the way, he's not any smarter. Absolutely not. He's not any better looking. Absolutely not. Okay. But he picked a career that makes more money than I do. We chose different paths. He has a, he lives in a different zip code than I do. Always will. But if I wanted what he has, I could have chosen what I chose. He, he he did. I could have gone. I could have walked that same path. Actually, I couldn't, because he's an accountant, and those things that like taxes and stuff make my brain just want to explode. So I couldn't have done that. I could have done other things though. I have a couple of functioning brain cells. I could have done something that would have me have have more money. Probably you could too. Don't pray to God about that. I mean. I mean let me clear. I see sometimes I get to just talking and I say it like that and people get crazy when I say it like that. That's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. But that's not what prayer is for. Let me say it this way. That's not what prayer is for. God doesn't care. He has no preference. That's what I mean by don't care. Not that he doesn't care about you, but he has no preference. Whether you buy the big house or the little house. All right? He has no preference. That's not within his will. Okay, God didn't open the door and get you to this specific house for, for, for just for your personal enjoyment and happiness. He's sovereign. I suppose he could. But that's not what God does as a normative case. As a normative case, God did not do that just for you. As a normative case, could he have? Sure. He's sovereign. Sovereign controls the entire world. He absolutely could have done that thing. But substantiate that for me from Scripture. 
I got into this bigger house or this nicer house or the house that's in the better location, whatever, substantiate that for me in scripture without attaching it to the will of God. And by the will of God, I mean the declared, revealed will of God. I don't think you can. I don't think you can make that connection. At least I can't. I've tried. I mean, I've looked in scripture. I can't, I can't make that connection. Prayer is about him, not us. We need to be petitioning him to act upon his will as we pledge to do that will. And we do know what the will is. It's in the book. He's already told us. If it's not in the book, it's not his will. That's that simple. It's not in the book. It's not his will. All right? Now, what do I mean by if it's not in the book? Well, go back to Proverbs. We're still talking about money and buying things. Go back to Proverbs. Um, is it the will of God that you be a sluggard, to use the King James language, to be slothful? I think that's also in the King James. Is that the will of God that you be slothful? No. Is it... Uh, uh, is it is it in the will of God that you uh, you know go into substantial debt? No. In fact, he says just the opposite. Oh man, oh, oh no man, anything. Okay, minimizing of debt, being industrious, being like the virtuous woman. Proverbs thirty one. That's a that's a hardworking woman in Proverbs thirty one. See, all of those principles are in Scripture. So now, if your choice is between going into greater debt or, or or choosing to work or not, you know, all of those things. That could be part of God's will, not the specific outcome that you're picking, but the specific principle upon which you're trying to achieve that outcome. Because Paul tells, tells, tells Timothy that those that would be rich, you know, they, they, they fall into snares and into traps. By the way, I do think he's talking there specifically about those who try to preach of the gospel. Uh, I think he's talking there about those who, uh, uh, assume that you know godliness with uh, uh, contentment with great gain is godliness. Um, I believe he's talking about you know preachers lining their pockets. I actually think that's what he's talking about there. Um, but point being, that's not what you're after. Those who will be rich are going to cut corners. Okay, that's not part of his will. But um, take for example my brother. I wouldn't call him necessarily a rich man, but I mean he's he's significantly upper middle class. He's, he's richer than I am. Um, uh, he's intelligent. He's, you know, can talk in complete sentences better than I can. I say, uh, um, and, uh, and, uh, and stutter way more than he does. Um, just did it, said it again. Um, not do that again for at least eight seconds. But he, you know, he's all the, all the straights. Good personality, but he's a hard worker. Person of integrity. So you combine some natural talents together with some biblically ingrained. Um, um, see, I've got more than eight seconds before I said, um, <laughs> now it's on my brain. I can't stop thinking about it. But you, you combine some natural ability, natural talents, along with some godly principles baked into, in, into the person. He picked a career that fit his personality. He picked, picked a career that was lucrative. And now he's a, a you know, a, a partner, I guess, in, in the accounting firm that he's, that he's a part of. And he, he's getting paid very nicely for it. But he's not, he didn't, he didn't set out, I don't think. I want to be as rich as I possibly can. And I'll do whatever it takes. Because that when that's your mentality, you start, you start violating God's law. 
he went out to work and did 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 godly things while he worked all his life. And now he's reaping the rewards of it. That's the way it works. Usually. Okay? Prayer is not the, prayer is not the shortcut to these things. Some, sometimes I believe that's how we use it. We try to use it as a shortcut or as, as validation over the thing we wanted anyway. Like an eldership says, we're going we're to sit down and we're going to pray about, about this doctrine that we've been considering and we're going to do this study and we're going to pray about it. And lo and behold, when they come out of that meeting, they come out of that study session, lo and behold, the doctrine they wanted to change anyway, they've been praying about it. And now the Holy Spirit has told them it's okay to change that doctrine. There's one thing I know for certain. The Holy Spirit didn't tell them not to do that at all. But they get they give themselves intellectual and emotional cover probably more emotional cover by saying they prayed about it first. And so sometimes we do that with prayer. We use it as a path to validate the bad choice we want to make anyway. I want to buy the more expensive car. I want to buy the house. And so I, I spend a night in prayer about it. And when I wake up in the morning, I feel better. Yeah, it's okay. I, I, I prayed that prayer and I just, I just felt this peace come over me. Okay, I'm sure you did. What I'm not sure about is that peace came from God. Not sure that peace came from God. Let me say it this way. Um, at least in Brevard County, dollar Cokes are back at McDonald's. Man, I was so happy with that. They took them away for a while. I was mad, mad at McDonald's. But now dollar Cokes are back at McDonald's. 30-ounce drink, they make it look like a 32-ounce cup, but it's not. McDonald's actually only has a 30-ounce cup, and that makes me mad. But when I was out in the field working, um, that, was just, that was just like my break. I had two or three McDonald's that were on my route, and, and I would stop just about every day at those same McDonald's. Well, I, I worked in different parts, but you know, I had one or two on each route, each portion of the county that I went to when I was running. And it was just my break. I would go and I'd, I'd, I'd go through the drive-thru and, and grab me a Coke or a Diet Coke or whatever it was. And, you know, I had often had water and stuff in the truck. It really wasn't that. I just wanted to, you know, stop for a minute and not be working. So I'd go buy me a dollar Coke. You know what I never did one single time? Never one single, never. I promise you, never. I never prayed before I went to that drive-thru. God, should I go buy this Coke? It's a dollar. Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I have a dollar. Pretty sure I do. Now, it was a dollar eighty when they took the dollar hoax away. Now, that's different, but it was a dollar. I didn't pray about it. You know why? Because it never even entered my brain that, um, that buying that dollar Coke was a problem. I got it covered. It's in my budget. I got it covered. On the other hand, I have never prayed to God also about whether or not I should go out and buy a Ferrari. Never done that either. Now, it's okay for a Christian to buy a Ferrari. I really would love, love my brother to buy one. <laughs> he's, not quite, he's not quite that good yet. <laughs> but if my brother wants to buy one, by all means, let him buy one. Uh, but I've never prayed about it. You know why? 
because it's never entered my brain. Never entered my brain at all that I had the wherewithal to afford one because I don't. Same point. There is a point though, somewhere in that middle, somewhere in that middle where we know I really shouldn't. It's right at the top of my budget. If I do this, I'm going to be a little bit house poor. You know, house poor when you have a nice house, but you don't have any money because you're spending all the money on the house. I've done that to myself one time in particular. That hurt. Um, but you get a little bit of house poor. I really shouldn't, but I want to. And then our, our answer to that is often, I think I'll pray about it now. Okay. The moment you have that mentality, the moment that's what you come across, you already know the answer. If you have studied your youth text, and, and we're talking about you, I'm, I'm doing a very singular example here because this, this principle applies in a whole lot of areas. Should I marry this person? There are people out there you don't have to ask. You, you don't have to see that the, the meth addict on the side of the street and think, yeah, that man, that that woman, that's my that's my spouse, right? And then there might be somebody on the other end of that spectrum. You look at and go, man, I'd marry that person in a heartbeat. But there's that person in the middle. Should I marry them or not? If you have to pray about it, I'm not, I'm not going to say this universally. Please don't go farther than I'm trying to go with it. But if you have to pray about it and you and you are someone who has studied the word of God and you, you, you've studied Proverbs and so you know good money management, you've, you've studied the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31, you, you've looked at uh, 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 examples in the Bible of a godly man, you know what they are. You know the characteristics. You know what they look like. Chances are, if you have to pray about it, you really already know the answer. And there's not coming another answer out of prayer. Not another answer that's not already in the text. This last 30 minutes, I need you to understand something. I'm not trying to denigrate prayer at all. You are talking to the creator of the universe. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah petitioned God, and it stopped raining. Now, he's a prophet. But James's point is, while he had a prophetic ministry, he is a man of like passions as we are. If we were ever in the same situation that Elijah was in, we'd get the same response. That's God. Don't ever doubt the power of prayer. It's not the power of prayer we need to talk about. It's the scope of prayer. And we spend a lot of our lives praying about things we already know the answer to, 
We spend a lot of our lives praying about things that there, there is no answer for. There is no answer for. When I start house hunting here in a little bit, I'm not going to tell you all the prayers that I'm going to offer, but let's say maybe a prayer for wisdom, prayer for integrity, to, to stay, hold fast to the things that I know, a prayer of humility. Don't think too much of yourself and think you have to have whatever, you know, so on and so forth. Nope. Nope. Don't do that. Stay humble. Keep your integrity. Hold on to the values and principles you know. Don't get big-eyed. But if I find a house on Elm Street, and Julie and I found a house on Elm Street, or Oak Street, pick whatever tree you want. Street names are, trees are street names, right? So I find one on, on, on Oak, and I find one on Elm, or we find one on Oak and Elm. At that point, my prayer stops. Because I don't need God's advice anymore. He's already given it to me. Everything he's ever going to say about money management and principles of those things, he's already told me. And if I've done my job, I know them. At that point, I'm not going to ask him, God, give me a sign, should I buy the house on Oak or the house on Elm? That's up to me. And so long as I stay stay as a person of integrity and so on, God will be happy with me if I buy the house on Oak. And God will be happy with me if I buy the house on Elm. And I have the freedom and the liberty as a child of God to go make that choice. And give God thanks when I secure the house. Absolutely. We just prayed for Trish the other night who, who finally found her house. Praise God. Thank you. Great, great, Trish. Found the house. Okay. And so did 400,000 other people last week, most of whom aren't Christians. Get the point. A lot of stuff goes on. God just doesn't have a preference about it. And we need to be okay with that. Not every choice you make is a choice that reflects your salvation or your sanctification before God. Sometimes choices are just choices, even big choices, like a house. Now, can it have a spiritual component? As I said earlier, yeah, it can. Probably doesn't. So anyway, I'm way over time. I'm just going to have to, let's see what else you got here. Um uh, hey, that's probably a lot more than you were expecting from me, but that's a lot more than I was expecting from myself, and I've just blown up the second hour, so that's oh, all right. Let's just go ahead and finish out. Let's see what we got here. Um, <laughs> Jonathan, you're not wrong. Travis does seem to have every episode memorized. Yeah, Travis knows more about what's in these episodes than I do. Um, I don't know how he does it. I don't know if he's got like a spreadsheet or something, but that's that's kind of sad, Travis. That That's that's sad. Um, that, that's kind of sad. Um I'm not even sure where we need to pick back up. Um, uh, Cherry, um, is that, was that what I just answered? When we start our prayer like the model prayer should be begin our Father or God. Some start with Lord. I know both are God, but I was taught to pray to God through Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. Um, I, <laughs> if if uh, 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 Cherry, if you will read through. Read through Scripture, both Old and New Testament. Um, you know, I go, go to the Psalms, for example. Um, most of those, I say most, a good portion of those Psalms 
uh, are prayers. They may be prayers of praise, but many of them are addressed to God. Not all of them again, but many of them are. Uh, and you will find a great variety of openings to the prayer. I don't think the, the model prayer, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, is, is intended to be formulaic. Um, in, in the sense that, the, that, that that's a specific formula that you are supposed to follow. I do think it suggests that you should begin prayer in some form of, 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 of a recognition of, of, of God, uh, which is why particularly in a public prayer, the, 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 the more intimate type names are troubling to me. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't like it. Um, I will also say, though, that not every prayer, even, even look through, read through the writings of Paul, that there are several just brief prayers, like one-sentence type addresses to God or reference to an address to God that Paul would make. He mentions his prayers often. Um, and I don't know that, have you ever been driving down the road uh, and, and just had a thought of, hey, I need to talk to God about this, I need to, you know, and just, just, expressed it and said it maybe to yourself, maybe out loud, even in your car. Um, typically, you're not going to take the time when you do something like that to go through the whole formula of our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You're not going to do that. Um, it's much more informal. It's more, much more spontaneous. And I, I, for the life of me, I can't figure out how that's wrong. Um, you know, so I, I think there's, there's, there's a, and this isn't I think. I, I said I think, and it isn't I think because I don't really have a verse specifically on this anyway. So if you if 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 that's not something you're comfortable with, that's then it becomes a Romans 14 matter. Uh, if you think you need to start your prayer by saying Our Father and which art in heaven or something along those lines, then by all means, Jerry, do that. Do that every single time because that'll be that'll be good for you. Do that every single time. Um, but I I there's too many examples. There's too much variety in the examples of prayer that are in the Bible from cover to cover for me to think that that was intended to be, you know, some kind of special um, uh, formula to begin a prayer with. So I think you have more latitude than that. Um, the second half of your, your comment there, um, you are correct. When we pray, we are praying to the Father in the name of the Son. He is both our intercessor, 1 John chapter 1, and our mediator, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Our prayers are, are to be are, are directed to the Father through the name of the Son. Again, I don't know that that means we have to end every single prayer. Uh, you know, we, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know that that's supposed to be, a uh, again, a formulatic answer. I typically have something like that at the end of the prayer, especially a public prayer. Um, but... Um, uh, that is that 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 is absolutely correct and substantiated by several passages in scripture all right i have heard through the years many people praying in, in the assembly uh we've got this one man um he is all over the place he, I, this guy, I love the guy to death he's he's just a character man his name's norman he's in his 80s and when he prays about a third of the prayers directed to god uh, I think about another third of the prayer is directed to Jesus. And then another third of the prayer, it just sounds like he's talking to the audience. It sounds like he's talking to the church. Structurally, in any kind of formal setting, his prayers are a hot mess. They are just all over the place. But he's, you know, he's like 82 years old. I age. I'm not going to mess with the man. Uh, but I love to hear him pray. I love to hear him pray because they're always, 
they, they're, they're just genuine prayers. Is he 100% right in the form of his prayer? Probably not. But it's, it's not disrespectful. It's, this is probably just not a man who is a detail-oriented man like that, and he's just talking to God. And great. I'm going to leave that man alone. I'm, ne- I'm never going to say a word to that man at all about his prayers. So if you happen to be from Rockledge, hush, hush your mouth. Don't tell Norman I talked about him today. Um, so uh, you're not wrong by any means, Sherry. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. But uh, there, are, there are lots of examples of forms and styles of prayer uh, throughout, the, um, throughout the Bible. Let's keep going down through here. Um, Travis mentions my dad had a lesson 20 years ago about the holy and profane. Since then, he has frequently pointed out the danger of making what is holy common to me. Daddy is common, um, and and I, I I would I would um I would largely agree with that. Um, I would. Um, uh, now now these comments are so old. I don't even know what we're talking about here. Uh, Jonathan's mentioned is Jim. What were you talking about? They were available six months ago. I haven't checked lately. Oh, moments that matter. Moments that matter. Okay. Thanks, Jim. Uh, they were still up there six months ago. Um, actually, Jim has one of those moments that matters tracks. Uh, Jim wrote one on uh, is it dinosaurs? I think it was something about there's some apologetics um, uh, article he wrote for me. Um, let's see what we have. I believe that's also on the website. I think I posted that one as well. Here's Travis again with uh, episode ten sixty two. Travis, that's seventy episodes ago. 31-minute mark, Jonathan talks about the idea of yes, no, maybe prayer answers. For real, Travis? What are you doing, man? <laughs> okay. And then he's got another. Are you just making this stuff up? Do you know this for real, man? Second half of first hour on episode 1063 also addresses prayer. Okay, man. Okay. Um. Yep. Uh, uh, let's see what we've got here else. Uh, Mercy says, um, money, weight management, daily workings, it's all in his word. It's amazing. You know, the Bible is, the Bible's not a book. I heard some guy, some guy say one time, the Bible's not a history book, but it, when it speaks on history, it's right. Okay, that, that kind of thing. The Bible's not a science book, but when it talks about science, it's right. Uh, the Bible's not a, a self-help guide, but when it does, it's right. When it talks about money, it's not, it's not a financial guide, but when it does, it's right. So there's, there's amazing how many things that are not necessarily the point of the Bible, that you can still learn from reading, uh, reading the Bible. Uh, <laughs> no, no, Travis, I do not want to know. I keep track of how often you say, um, no, please do not. Please do not. I'll never be a professional broadcaster because I cannot break myself of the habit of saying, um, so uh, my, my career options there are limited. Um, and just to now I'm just said it right as I, <laughs> we need a bell. Eric with a bell every time I say, oh, how about that? Uh, let's see what we have here. Jonathan tells me to buy a Chevy Silverado. I don't want a Chevy Silverado. Jonathan, I don't want to buy one of those. Uh, what's Jonathan have here? Uh, why do some pray, pray about the bag of Cheetos? Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I didn't read that one before I put it on the screen all the way. Uh, and don't mess with people's Cheetos, man. That's like that's what I that's not as bad as messing with Oreos, but that's that's got to be close to messing with uh, some people's Oreos. Anyway, uh, I think I am caught up pretty well uh, to the end of the uh, the comments that y'all have made. Uh, I think I'm just gonna go ahead and wrap this thing up. 
And in less than the next 30 seconds, we all want to drop in another question that I can rant for half an hour. But it's obviously too late to start the uh, first Peter study. <laughs> Y'all just are not nice to me. Y'all are just not nice to me at all. Mercy, um, that's okay. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Mercy. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. I'm going to try and get out of here without saying that word again, or that non-word again, making that noise. Never, Jonathan. Not not in a not in a thousand years am I ever doing that. Yes, Cherry, good point. Uh, Cherry, uh, next session will be Tuesday, and we'll try to get back to our normal format. If Hay will let me not let, not ask me a question, question that sends me on a 35-minute rant. But uh, so that was uh, not um. That was uh. That's different. But next Tuesday, yeah, obviously we're all for 4th of July, and so we will be back here next Tuesday. I do need to add, talk to you all about something at some point. Um, oh, I didn't do it. I didn't get through. The When I start the new workup at Rockledge, I'm not sure 8 to 10. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to be optimal for me. I was thinking, because the office opens at 9, and I was thinking maybe we could move the class to seven to nine or maybe seven thirty to nine thirty something like that i just need to know a, a, a general feel from you all about whether or not that um would impact your ability to be here that might help some in terms of work might hurt others just don't want to get up that early <laughs> i know that feeling but if you could give me some feedback on that uh, i'll try to remember to ask that maybe tonight on uh, from the deep Inner or from uh, on connect something like that but uh, I, I may leave it 8 to 10. I just got to see what the, uh, I don't know what the office is like at this new place because I've never been in the office at this new place. So I'll probably keep it uh, at the uh, 8 to 10 at least for a minute. But it is possible I'm going to need to spend the, um, spend the, um, uh, the time uh, a little bit differently. So we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, Travis, one more question. Can you let me know what production software you use? Uh, actually, to produce videos, I use PowerDirector 365. Uh, for like, uh, if I'm doing a live stream that is not on Restream, I use vMix. I, I've dabbled with OBS, and, and the big advantage of OBS is that it's free. But I like I like vMix better, and we, I paid for it several years ago, and so I still have a license. So I, I just like vMix better. It, it makes more sense to me than OBS. They do exactly the same thing. It's an interface thing. For some reason, I conceptually, I, I understand vMix better than I do OBS. So those, those are what I use. Um, oh, one last thing. I don't know if any of y'all saw it, but I, I had this idea bouncing around in my head, and I ran like a 13-hour stream kind of overnight last night, uh, mixing together a lot of Paul Mays' music that he has sent me, um, some Bible readings that we used to use during the Daybreak Devotion, and then also some of the connect meetings put put it together in a big long stream and it's not live obviously I mean, it'll be streaming as a live stream but it'll just be a, a persistent stream and i was thinking that maybe we could do something like that um you know friday night over through sunday because i can't i can't really do it during the week because i need my computer and i'd have to devote a computer just for that and anytime we went live on a stream we wouldn't be able to, I'd, I'd, I'd be a conflict. Now, it'd be a conflict on the computer. You can actually do on YouTube two live streams at the same time. That's not a problem. You can run as many as you want to. You can have 10 live streams on your channel on YouTube. It doesn't matter. 
and you can and if and you can do unlimited streaming you could have a 24 7 24 7 365 stream if you had the stuff to do it with theoretically but um um but i'm not sure i want to do it i, I don't know I, let me know if you think it'd be useful uh if if you if you would uh it would only be on YouTube. Can't do it on Facebook because Facebook doesn't allow for the, the extended streaming like that that YouTube does. Uh, so just let me know, uh, it, and I'll, I'll probably put it up again here. I'm not. Gonna, I'm still playing around with it. I got a couple of little technical questions to work out. I think it's pretty doable because once I create the playlist, it's play. It's plug and play. I just I turn it on and it runs. So it's you know it's probably thirty minutes or so to get it set up, and then I could it'll run for three or four days or however long I need it to run. So. I just I, I don't know if, you, if that would be something you all y'all would use. Just drop in and hear some singing and some, you know, a couple, couple of highlight lessons throughout the throughout the day, that kind of thing. So just let me know. So anyway, that's what we got. So I'm gonna shut it shut it down now. Uh, let's see, it's a couple other things. Yep, Travis, I use Logos. Uh, and if you're the actual translation that I use, uh, if that's that's what you're asking, Cherry, if, if the Bible program is Logos, uh, the, the translation I typically default to is the English Standard. So, but it's Logos that I use on the screens. So, all right, let me go ahead and wrap it up. Like I said, Robbie Ebersole uh, tonight. I haven't gotten any notifications. Usually when Daryl sets up his room uh, 20 minutes before we go live, I usually get a notification. And I have not gotten one from Daryl. So I'm assuming Daryl is not going to be on. But, uh, you know, stick around. He may be here and he may just be late getting it set up. That's also possible. So, um yeah, I did. Ha I have talked to Paul about getting more of his uh, his music. I actually talked. I talked. I ran this idea about having a persistent stream by Paul. Uh, ran it by him about a month or two ago. Yeah, he was on board with it. That's the biggest technical problem I have, though. Is this is a video stream, and I need some kind of video component to go with the music and the the, the Bible readings. So that um, that's the biggest thing I've got to work out. Otherwise, somebody actually has to sit here and mix it, and, and that that's not feasible. So I've got to work that out. That's the biggest thing that might stop me from doing it. But anyway, I'll stop talking, and we will let you go. So I will see you back here, Lord willing, tonight. Uh, different show today, but I hope you all enjoyed it. And we will be back here for Robbie Eversole Jr. at 7 o'clock for the continuation of the Connect meeting. And until then, uh, as always, it's my prayer that you will go out and make your day a great one for God. Have a good night, everybody.